0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the Pivot Podcast. Each week, join career coaches and Pivot Discovery co-founders Alexandra Balistrieri and Kimberly Tilley as they interview an extraordinary and inspiring guest who successfully pivoted away from unfulfilling work to pursue their dreams. Benefit from their insight and experience and leave with actionable tips to reframe your future. Our interview
1: today is with Sarah Krieger. Sarah has nearly two decades of experience in talent, learning, and organizational development in industries ranging from insurance to pharma to manufacturing. After living in the Midwest and the South, Sarah spent the last five years living and working in Brussels, Belgium, in a global human resources leadership role at an industrial manufacturing company. Recently, she chose to leave the corporate world behind her to follow her true passion and start a food and wine event business in Spain with her husband, Adam. We're thrilled to welcome Sarah today and talk with her about making big changes in her life and her career to pursue her dreams. Now let's get to the show. Sarah, welcome. We're so glad to have you here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Before we talk about what you're doing now, let's talk about your career journey because you spent nearly 20 years in the corporate environment. Can you tell us a
2: little bit about that? Sure. I primarily held corporate roles in the field of organization development. And that includes things like change management and leadership development, talent management, strategy development. And I started my career working for a consulting firm as an OD consultant. And after that, I never wanted to grow as a leader. So I left the firm to take a management role in a pharmaceutical services company. And I was leading a small team that was responsible for learning and development. And after a few years, I realized I really wanted to gain broader global experience. So I joined a large uh, industrial manufacturing company in the learning and talent space. And over about nine years, I, was, I ended up being promoted four times to leadership roles with greater and greater responsibility. For most of those years, I was really specializing in org development and learning and talent But for the last two years, I was in an HR director role for the European region in one of our major lines of business. I had actually moved from Charlotte, North Carolina to Brussels, Belgium in 2016 for a temporary expat assignment. And in that role, I was responsible for talent and org development in the European region. And after about two years, I had the opportunity to be promoted to a very challenging uh, local HR director role. And that was a really risky move for me because it meant accepting a Belgian employment contract. So no longer a U.S. expat contract, which meant there was really no guarantee that the company would ever send me back to the U.S.
1: Whoa. Were you prepared to do that?
2: By then, I had decided that I really wanted to stay in Europe long term. So I was ready to let go of that expat contract that job ended up being the most challenging role in my career. And that's really what prompted me to rethink the, the type of work that I really wanted to do with my career going forward.
0: That sounds like a really incredible journey. And it sounds like you were definitely climbing the corporate ladder. And you were in leadership roles fairly early in your career and even became a global leader. But what was your vision for your career during those years?
2: Well, looking back, if I, if I think about, in grad school, I studied organizational psychology. I was really interested in the complexities of human behavior in the workplace. In the early years of my career, I knew that I wanted to eventually become an expert in the different kinds of techniques um, that can be used to improve individual and team performance to have an impact on the business. That's really what I did over the course of my career was focus in that area. And it wasn't until that, that last year or so that I started to seriously consider a, a different direction in my career because for so long I had been intentional about building that expertise in the area of organization development. So it was a pretty clear path for a long time.
1: What was your vision for what you decided you wanted to do after that?
2: I think it was really last year that I started getting serious about making a change and perhaps it was partly motivated by a little bit of life timing. So, I was on the precipice of turning 40. I was in a really stressful job. I kind of took stock of my life and realized that I had spent probably about the last two decades absorbed and immersed in my work and was really ambitious and climbing the corporate ladder. I'd felt like I'd I'd sort of finally reached the top ranks and was involved in high pressure, really critical, important work, working with the senior leaders of the organization. And once I had sort of reached those top ranks, I felt that that high stress and pressure and all the sacrifices I'd made over the years to get there maybe weren't really worth or or what uh, what I was expecting to feel once climbing to the top. I started to realize that I was actually feeling more drained by my work rather than energized. I was having to spend a lot of my time managing corporate politics to get things done. It became clear to me that the higher I continued to rise in my career, the more that that was going to be required. Even though I was successful in my work, I just wasn't really feeling fulfilled. And I knew I had other talents and interests that I wasn't tapping into. And I realized at that point that the longer that I waited to make a change in my career, the harder it would be to do it. So, after much consideration and spending some time carefully evaluating finances and assembling plans, I decided to uh, leave my company and made a huge life change and moved to my dream location on the Mediterranean Sea in Spain. And I'm now in the early stages of starting up a business that really fuels true passion to create amazing experiences for people through food and wine events.
1: I want to stop you for a second. So you spent 20 years in corporate life climbing the ladder, thinking you're headed towards something.
0: Mm-hmm. And then when you
1: got there, it was it wasn't what you thought it was going to be, or you didn't feel like you thought you were going to feel. So that must have been kind of a crisis in a way.
2: That's true, and uh, I think a lot of people experience something like that when they reach a, a milestone birthday or have um, something that happens in their personal life. It could be something unexpected that maybe um, happens to family or, or friend that causes you to kind of pause and, and reflect on where you've taken your life thus far. And if you want to continue on that path any longer, and probably we all have, uh, to a certain extent, we all romanticize the ideas of what we have planned ahead in our lives. And it's probably normal to expect that when you reach a certain level in your career that you'll feel fulfilled. But I I think for me, combination of being in a role that had been kind of a goalpost in my mind for a long time, having achieved that role and being in it, and looking at how i was actually spending my time i realized i really wasn't using my best gifts and talents and and i then started to think about if i don't do this what else am i going to do you know i've spent my entire career on this very specific path and yeah. that's when i had to start really examining what are the other things in my life that bring me joy what are the other skills that i have that i could use and what kind of work could I do to leverage those other skills and make a change so that I could feel like the work I was doing every day was really energizing me instead of draining me? Yes. And it sounds
1: like there were there were really two things going on. One is that you felt a little bit disillusioned after you got where you were planning to go all this time. And secondly, like the day-to-day part of it had a lot of tasks you disliked. You know, you mentioned um, just of political angle of it, which is mm-hmm. a, a factor in almost any job. But I think sure. especially as you get into senior leadership areas, it right. becomes more and more of your day. It's really good that you were able to identify these other gifts and other interests that you had and
0: transition to this new life.
2: Exactly. You were
0: kind of talking about how sometimes we romanticize or we think there's something that happens in our life where we get, we hit that milestone birthday and then we're like, this is when I'm going to do the thing that I'm, that I want to do or make that leap. But do you ever look back and say like, wow, I really wish I did this sooner instead of spending so much time and effort trying to rise above and climb the ranks in this corporation?
2: I'm glad that I was as focused and ambitious as I was because that afforded me some really incredible experiences in my career. I I really have learned so much and been exposed to so many different areas of work, especially, I think, in the field of HR, you have the opportunity to work across so many different areas of the business. So you can learn about just about any function that exists in the organization being in a field like HR you also have the opportunity to really learn how people work you know how how teams work together how leaders make decisions and you can learn skills that can actually be extremely valuable in virtually any line of work or any industry so i think a lot of the what i learned and the capabilities that i built over the years on the path that i had chosen will Help me going forward. And so I don't necessarily have regrets about being as focused and driven as I was and staying on the path that I did. But on a more personal note, living in Europe now for about five years, and in the last several years, I was traveling extensively throughout Europe for the jobs that I had. One of the things that I really came to realize living internationally as an American is the value of being multilingual. And I actually had studied Spanish in college. In fact, it was my minor in college and I'd gotten pretty fluent, but then I I never really did anything to maintain that skill. And by the time I was almost 20 years later living and working in Europe, most Europeans are fluent in not just two or three languages but often multiple languages and it's really kind of a an expectation for an educated person in Europe to be able to speak several languages and it certainly helps your ability to connect with people in different countries to understand people and uh, of course to be able to communicate your ideas more effectively. I really wish that I had studied abroad when I was a student, and I also wish that I had done something periodically, maybe, that would help me to keep those language skills sharp. Anyone who wants to have an international career or ever live outside of their home country, investing in the time and effort to learn another language, it, it is hugely beneficial and it's the one thing I wish I had uh, spent more time and effort throughout the years in my career instead of just studying it in school and then kind of letting it go.
1: Well, it sounds like you've kind of gotten a handle on it now. How many languages do you speak?
2: Well, when I moved to Belgium, I had to learn French. Belgium is a complicated little country that has three official languages, French, German and Flemish, which is a dialect of Dutch and predominantly in Brussels, the city where I was living, they're speaking French. took lessons for about a year and a half. And then, of course, now I'm taking Spanish lessons again, refreshing my Spanish and also learning a bit of Catalan. In the region that I live in, in Spain, uh, called Catalonia in the north, they have their own language, which they're very proud of. And it is quite different from Spanish. It's almost like a mix of French and Spanish. So you can imagine how confused all these words are jumbled in my head at the moment. (laughs) But I hope that over the next year or so that I'll be fully fluent in Spanish and at least fluent enough in Catalan to be able to communicate the basics with the locals here.
1: Well, we've gotten a little bit off topic, but I was really curious about that. You had decided to leave a corporate life, and you said you had an idea for what you wanted to do. Could you just tell us some of the practical steps that you took?
2: I had to think back to or what are these untapped skills or interests that I, that I really want to tap into in the next stage of my career. Looking back about 10 years ago, I had decided to study wine and winemaking at Johnson & Wales University. And it was something that I I did really just as a passion. At that point, I wasn't really thinking about making a change in my career. At the time, my husband had made a change in his career. And he had studied at Johnson & Wales University to get his culinary degree, degree. And he became a chef after working for FedEx for about 10 years. I remember he had been telling me when he was in culinary school about this wine class and winemaking class that he had been taking uh, with a professor who was just a phenomenal, fascinating professor who would share all these stories about traveling all over the world and visiting different wineries and learning about winemaking and and talking to the sommeliers there, learning how to pair wine with food. And when he was telling me about that class, I was feeling really jealous because I thought, I would love to take that class. It sounds so interesting. And then I found out that there was actually a program that they offered at the university, a certificate program. And you could take uh, different levels, beginner, intermediate, and advanced to earn different types of sommelier certifications. So I decided to jump right in. And it took me about two years to eventually earn the advanced certification and after that I would occasionally do some host some wine tasting events for friends or volunteer at a wine tasting events or something like that but they were always just gigs on the side that I would do I hadn't for a long time really thought seriously that I would turn that into a career over the years with my husband being a chef, we often would talk about maybe someday we could open up a business together and maybe it could be a restaurant or maybe it could be a food truck or maybe it would be catering. But we knew that our combined talent could lead to something really fulfilling. And when I was clear in my mind that I wanted to leave the corporate world, and I also knew by then that I really wanted to uh, start a new life in Spain, which was a country I'd been visiting several times a year for the last six or seven years, and just always felt really at home here. I decided to relocate myself and get settled in the community and then start to work on the detailed business plans. So
0: now you are living in Spain and working to build a brand new business. What does that entail in terms of activities and preparation?
2: In the early stages, I've been really focusing on understanding my target customer and really networking in the community. That's been doing things like joining local Facebook groups, talking to realtors and other people who really know the community well, taking Spanish lessons to improve my language skills. I've also been working with my husband on preparing menus and and wine pairings and getting feedback from people on the different ideas that we have. And we have even started to have a few small events to test out some of the dishes and the wines with small group and to get feedback from people locally to see what they think. It's a difficult time for any small business or any entrepreneur right now to get started given the unprecedented circumstances we have right now with the global pandemic. However, one great thing about having a food and wine business is that food and wine is is something that is always in demand, even in difficult circumstances such as what we have right now there are a lot of great opportunities to have a business in this space that allow flexibility that maybe didn't even exist some years ago. But one example being a food truck, by having a mobile, basically a mobile kitchen, this can create an opportunity for you to go where the customers are to be able to really manage safety and sanitation very carefully. And it also basically provides opportunities for either small groups, or you can go to where people may be working, or you could even expand to doing larger events, things like weddings or conferences, depending on how big you want to get. At the moment, we're looking into starting a food truck business that would give us that flexibility, especially given the uncertain times that we have right now.
0: That's so exciting. What's your time frame on launch for that?
2: At the moment, I'm planning a soft launch in the spring. Okay. Probably it will take about six months or so to get all of not just the equipment set up for the food truck, but more importantly, for any mobile business, and this, this is true I think pretty much anywhere around the world, but it's especially true in Spain, it can be really difficult to get the permits and the legal paperwork that's necessary in order to operate a mobile business especially a business that's serving food it will probably take at least 6 months to get all the necessary permits and to be able to operate where and when we we'd like to be able to and then i think a lot will depend next year on how things progress with the pandemic having a, some contingency plans in place for any entrepreneur right now is really really important
1: I'm just curious, what kind of food would you guys have at your food truck?
2: It would basically be a rotating menu based on what's in season locally. And it would be small bites or tapas that would feature flavors from all over the Mediterranean. And then, of course, that would be paired with wines that would help to enhance and bring out the flavors And I'm really fortunate to be located right in the heart of one of the best wine regions in Spain, the Penedes region. There are lots of opportunities to partner with the local wineries here not only to feature their wines, but also many of the wineries here have or are interested in hosting events at their wineries. And sometimes they don't have the capability to cater or to have a chef that they may be working with that can host these kinds of private events. This is another area where I think there's tons of potential to expand the business working with the local wineries here.
1: One thing I really love about your story is that there's not necessarily a clear path that you could follow in everyone else's footsteps. Your path is really unique and and your husband's as well. The way that you've managed to make it work and also to open up all these new possibilities and alternatives is just wonderful. I'm curious if you had one tip that you would offer someone in a situation maybe similar to yours or would like to be in a situation similar to yours, what would be one piece of advice that you would offer?
2: Oh, that's a great question. There's one expression that comes to mind that has really resonated with me in in this journey. And that is just because you're good at something doesn't mean that you have to keep doing it. And being successful in your job doesn't necessarily mean that you're happy in your job or that you're actually using your best gifts. Sometimes y- your resume can look perfect on paper, or you may have followed all of the steps that you felt that you were supposed to in your career, but you might not be feeling totally fulfilled. Sometimes I think we just get really good at something and stay on a certain path because we know it well or we have become an expert or because everyone keeps encouraging us to continue in that direction. But it's okay to choose a different path if you're not feeling fulfilled in your work. Even if that means taking a step back or a step down or a break or a pay cut, all of these things and other sacrifices Can be really worth it if it puts you on the path to living your best life instead of following a path that maybe you never really intended or that someone else sort of put together for you. I love
1: that. And I think it's profound advice. If there's one thing that I hear a lot from my clients, it's that they are really good at their jobs, but neither they don't like them anymore or they never liked them. It's just something that they happen to be really good at. So they keep getting more of it. And what's the opportunity cost? because you're doing something that you're good at that you don't necessarily care for, you don't have time now to do the things that you're passionate about. And I love that you've been an example of going the opposite way with that and putting aside maybe the security of of corporate life and following your dreams.
2: That's right. Well, and it's interesting that you say the security of corporate life because people often will ask me about that. They'll say, you know, how how did you have the courage to leave you know, the security of having a a well-paying job and uh, being well-networked in your organization, in your field. And I think that feeling or idea of security is perception that people often have in their jobs or with the companies they work for. But often those perceptions are, are not actually realistic. And having worked in human resources and gone through multiple mergers and spin-offs and divestitures. I've seen firsthand that oftentimes companies have to let go of good people, even, you know, people who have had stellar performance reviews or have been very loyal or or have really made a difference in the company over the years. These changes happen frequently, especially in large organizations. There's just constant movement not only just regular reorganization, but the rate at which companies are combining and separating and merging is just unbelievable now. For anyone who is making the choice to stay in a, a role only because they have this perception of security or, or safety, I would caution that that perception may not be real. One of the greatest benefits of working for yourself is that You get to decide not only how you spend your time and how you use your talents, but you also decide how to grow your business. And you decide that if, for example, you you can see that you're not achieving what you've set out to achieve or maybe you're not earning as much as you had planned you have the power to make a change in the direction. Maybe it's changing the strategy or the concept or targeting a different customer base, but you get to do that instead of being a part of an organization where someone else is making those decisions and it may or may not impact your job. So it's not to say that no one should ever work in a corporate role. Not at all. I I have no regrets about The many years that I spent doing sometimes really fascinating and impactful work in in the corporate roles that I held. But really, if there's anyone out there who is feeling stuck or unfulfilled in their career and is only sticking around because they think that they have job security or financial security, allow yourself to explore the opportunity of taking a step in another direction whether it be with a different organization or even self-employed, and be open to the possibility that there may be more security in taking a different path rather than remaining loyal and working for an organization that you perceive will provide long-term security that's great advice.
0: Don't just be dependent on the organization to provide for you. You sometimes will need to step in and you can do it yourself. And I think it's so awesome that you went from something HR, it's pretty rigid and it can be very political. And you did something that is very creative and a lot of risk in it. So I definitely commend
2: you. Sarah, how can people reach you? The best way is to connect with me through LinkedIn And as I'm working to start the business up, I will be adding a website and other social media links for the new business. So that will be coming in the next months and time will tell for me what success will look like ahead, but I'm really feeling very, very happy and very optimistic about my path ahead, even in these difficult circumstances with the global pandemic there's still so much opportunity to be had ahead. I hope for anyone listening to this podcast that if they're considering taking a leap of faith and making a a change in direction in their career, I hope that some of the stories that I've shared today will help to provide some inspiration and maybe some motivation to start taking those next steps to get on the right path.
1: I'm sure that they will because you really do have an inspiring story. And I, I think a lot of people are gonna find value in it and hopefully gather some courage from what you've shared.
0: Agreed. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing with us and with our listeners. We really appreciate
0: it. It was great
2: having you, Sarah. Thank you both. I really enjoyed our time
0: today. And that will do it for this week's episode of Pivot. Our guest this week was Sarah Krieger, formerly a global HR executive, and now entrepreneur and co-owner of a food and wine event business in Spain. You can find Sarah's contact information in the show notes, along with contact information for Pivot Discovery. We provide career services and specialize in helping people make a change to reframe their future. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week with a brand new episode.